You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Maybe you have the day off today for the holiday. If you do, what are you doing up at 5 in the morning? What's the matter with you? Are you crazy? If you're working today, well, that makes more sense. Either way, good morning. Welcome in. This is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Lots to do. One hour to get it all in, so let's roll. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. I am on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. Daily poll question is up for today. We will touch on that in a little bit. Gee, I wonder what it could possibly have to do with today. But we begin with the end. The matchup for the final game this season is set. Super Bowl 54 in Miami two weeks from now. It will be the Chiefs and it will be the 49ers. And let's hope that game is a lot more interesting, a lot more competitive than what we got to watch yesterday. Because when it came to championship weekend in the NFL, it was the weekend where we got to separate the men from the boys, the contenders from the pretenders, the wheat from the chaff, whatever that is. I don't know what that is exactly. The good from the great. However you want to separate it, the main takeaway that you had yesterday was the better teams won, and it was really not all that close. Both the AFC and the NFC, the question coming into the weekend, right? I don't think it was so much would Tennessee be able to beat Kansas City or would the Packers beat the 49ers. It was more, are these going to be close games or are the home teams going to roll? Could the underdogs make it a game? And while I guess maybe in the AFC game, You could kind of make the argument, but the answer, let's be honest, if the question was, could the underdogs keep it close, the answer was no. And let's start with the AFC game yesterday, because that was the first one, the Chiefs and the Titans. A lot of love for the Tennessee Titans coming in. Could Derrick Henry and that offense do it again? They would need Derrick Henry and that offense to do it again. If you were devising a way that the Titans could beat the Chiefs, it would have to be control the ball. Don't give the Chiefs too many opportunities. Get some scores early and be able to rely on that running game. And at least early on, it was competitive. It was interesting. Tennessee led 10-0, led 17-7. And they led 17-7 with about six minutes to go in the first half. And all the people who have been telling me for weeks the Titans are going to the Super Bowl, they all were feeling good. And then the Kansas City offense showed up. And when they did, it really wasn't much of a contest. They get the touchdown to Tyreek Hill, 20 yards, and then the Titans went three and out. There was just over two minutes to go. And your question at that point was, all right, look, if Tennessee wants to win this game, get to halftime with either a lead or at least tied. If you can hold them to a field goal at that point, get to tied Maybe you got a shot. They did not have a shot. (laughs) To, To spoil it for you, they did not have a shot. Patrick Mahomes, you know, a lot of times you don't appreciate greatness until it's much further developed, much further down the road. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is just absolutely amazing. I know, I know I'm not breaking any ground there. But the plays that he made yesterday, the one that you're going to be watching here for the next couple of weeks, right before halftime, about 20 seconds to go, looked like a nothing play. 
Titans miss a tackle, look like he's going to go out of bounds, zips up the sideline there, gets the touchdown, and away you go. Gives them the lead, and given the way they scored back-to-back possessions, given how the Titans play, you knew the window was closed. The window of opportunity for Tennessee was closing at that point. And look, the Chiefs got the ball in the second half, and the Titans got the punt in the first drive, but... When they get the score to go up 28-17, you knew the game was essentially over. Like the the deciding point, like who was going to win the game. Not the betting aspect of it, but the actual winner of the game outcome of it. It was over because the Titans can play one way. That's it. If they fall behind by two scores, they're dead. If you take away Derrick Henry, which the, the Chiefs were able to do pretty successfully after the, the, the early part of the game, they're dead. If you can make the game about them having to throw the ball, it's pretty clear they're dead. And I'll be honest with you. Thank God they're dead. Because the Super Bowl is far more interesting having Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense than it would have been With Tennessee there. That's what you wanted out of the weekend. That was the more important game. Like, you could make the argument had the Packers been able to beat the Niners. All right, at least you got the great quarterback. The Tennessee Titans, while they had a great run, they were a great story, fantastic success, all congratulations to them. That was not the team. If you don't have a dog in the fight and you're just looking to watch the Super Bowl and have a fun game, scoring, explosive plays, things that make you go, wow, well, then clearly Kansas City is the team you want there, not the Tennessee Titans. The better team won. And at least for now, I don't have to hear, you don't have to hear from just delusional fans. And you've heard this a lot here the last couple of weeks because they had some success with it. Well, that's the way people should build their teams. Like the Tennessee Titans. You you establish the run. You have your big back be able to – as if the guys just grow on trees. Just let him get in there and just run over people. You set the tone. You control the clock. Look, nobody – I've heard this a lot. From Giant fans. Well, see, this is what Dave Gettleman is trying to do. He's trying to follow the role model of the Tennessee Titans. Well, that's a mistake. Nobody is saying that running the ball is not important. Nobody is saying just throw the ball every single solitary down. What people have said, and is correct though, running back is not a premium position. Outside of kicker, outside of punter, NFL teams invest the least in the running back position. Derrick Henry, as great as he was during this playoff run, and I'm sure he's going to cash in now. Some team is going to go out of their way. Maybe it's the Titans. Maybe it's somebody else who will pay Derrick Henry a boatload of money. But up until this point, he has been a second-round pick who this year was making $1.1 million. So no, he is not a, a premium player. And if if your takeaway from the Titans run this year is that's the way you want to build your team, I think you're making a mistake. And I think the evidence would show you that. But the better team won, and thank God they did. And the better team won in the NFC too. 
Certainly true of the NFC Championship game, which was, let's be honest, that was uncompetitive, right? Let, let, let's hope that we never see another game that was as uncompetitive as that. And the Packers had a really good year. 13-3, and three, won a bunch of close games. What you saw on Sunday, what you saw in that game, was they were nowhere even near the ballpark of the 49ers. The 49ers are clearly the better team. They dominated them at the line of scrimmage. Raheem Mostert going in there, 220 yards, four touchdowns. And the Niners, the best defense. Like, you want to talk about great styles make fights? Well, for Super Bowl 54, you got a great fight. Best defense, best offense. Most explosive offense, most powerful defense. And away you go. And we'll see how it goes out. But the better teams won on Sunday. And you know, one more thing about the, because I'm, I'm sure knowing and, and consuming media like you do, like I do, you know what's going to come. All these talking head shows are going to be talking about the failures of Aaron Rodgers. Is the window of opportunity for the Packers now closed? And how Rodgers failed on Sunday. And now he's been to what is it? Four NFC title games has only won one of them. And it's his fault because right now in this day and age, because the quarterback position is so important, we make everything out to be about the quarterback. If you watch that game yesterday, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch the whole thing because it was uncompetitive. At some point, you know, I've seen Raheem Mostert running over people. At some point I said, all right, I think I'm good. I think I got the point of this one, right? I think I understand what this game's about. If you watch that game yesterday, and you thought that Aaron Rodgers play, he should have been able to play well enough to carry the Packers to the win. And that somehow that fit. Now, I'm not telling you he played well. His numbers, I think, were misleading. He made it look close enough in the end that it didn't look like he had as bad a game, I think, as he kind of did. I'm not saying he played well. But if you looked at that game and you said, well, the failure of the Packers is on Aaron Rodgers primarily. Well, I don't know what sport you're watching. I don't know what sport you're watching. Because it's not the same sport I'm watching. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. So, poll question for today, pretty simple, right? Niners, Chiefs, Super Bowl 54 in Miami in two weeks. And what's interesting is the consensus opening line for the game made it to pick them. There has never been a closing line for a Super Bowl that made the game a pick'em. Now, I've seen some places since the opening line, the Chiefs are slightly favored, either by half a point, one point. I've seen some place one and a half points, but it's very, very close. But it's almost certainly going to be, let's put it this way, it's going to be under two. It's going to be close to a pick'em kind of game. So if you had to pick which team will win Super Bowl 54, which one will it be? Will it be the Chiefs? Will it be the Niners? Pretty simple, pretty straightforward. You can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer coming up. I'll give you my pick. But other things to talk about uh, after this championship weekend, which, let's be honest, was not all that competitive. we got to touch on the Mets managerial search because I think some of you are a little touched in the head. There's a difference between what you would like to see happen and what you think will happen. And this is one of those situations. Like, the things that people are saying they they want is not going to be what you're going to get. And as long as you're okay with that, well, then that's fine. 
But it seems like a lot of people, when it comes to the Mets managerial search, think that what they want what should happen is going to happen. And if that's the case, well, then you're delusional. You're delusional. Also, did you see over the weekend, the Astros had their fan fest. So Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, they got to make their first comments about the big scandal that they're involved in. The big scandal that they benefited from. And what you've got to see was that when they know what's coming, they don't always have success. They might have success when they know what pitch is coming, but when they know what questions are coming, apparently not quite as prepared for those. So we'll get into that too. And also, which uh, which athlete could really use a burner account? There's one out there who, you know, sometimes we criticize, we criticize Kevin Durant. We criticize other people for burner accounts. This guy, he really needs one. So maybe we can get that worked out. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Super Bowl 54 is set. I think it's the matchup. Unless you're a Titans fan, unless you're a Packers fan, this is kind of, especially if you're a Titans, Titans fans, I get it. But just in a, a neutral observer, you're a Giant fan, a Jet fan, you're looking for a, a good Super Bowl, a competitive Super Bowl, an exciting Super Bowl, big plays, offense, defense. I think this is the Super Bowl you kind of want, right? The big bad defense, the Niners, the big bad offense, the Chiefs, and so far through the playoffs, this is a crazy stat to me. The Chiefs have now run 20 drives between the two games that they've played. They opened up their first three drives of this year's postseason by punting. Punt, punt, punt. Since then, here are their drives. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Seven straight touchdowns. Field goal, punt, a kneel down, a punt. Touchdown, 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 punt, touchdown, touchdown. So they've had 20 drives. 12 of those drives have resulted in touchdowns. Six have resulted in punts. So they're twice as likely to score a touchdown with their opening drive, uh, with their, with the, the drive than they are to punt. So the poll question, which is up for today on the old uh, Twitter machine at Gordon Damer is, who you got for the Super Bowl? Well, I think probably the Chiefs will win the poll. And I, I I think if I were to pick right now, yeah, I guess I'd probably stick with it. I, I Before the season started, I went with the Andy Reid revenge Super Bowl. I had Chiefs and I had Eagles. We did a show, I think I was filling in for Stephen A. that day, like the day the, the NFL season opened up. And I, I said that I thought – Picking in terms of uh, the Super Bowl at that point would be Chiefs and Eagles. It's Chiefs and Niners. So I'd probably go with the the Chiefs. And I I think the Chiefs probably will uh, win the poll question as well. Just from the point of view of the – I think they have the better quarterback, clearly. I think they obviously have the more explosive offense. And I think that the game will eventually come down to offense. You know, the the Niners, despite the performance yesterday, I think they have the more complete team – and I think that they can win more in a variety of ways more. I don't think that they just have to run the ball like they did yesterday. You've seen games where Jimmy Garoppolo, the Saints game, that's clearly one of them. That they have to throw the ball. They can win that way. And I think that they'll be able to make some plays against that Chiefs defense, which was good yesterday. But I don't know if it's all, if it's all that great to begin with. 
But I think that uh, if I had to pick a team, I'd probably pick the Chiefs. And it looks like the Chiefs, as the line kind of moves here, it opened it, it, it even. It, it opened as a pick 'em, and uh, now is already up to either half a point, a point, point and a half. It's pretty close. But uh, I think that if I had to uh, pick one or the other, I'd have to say uh, I, I'd probably pick the Chiefs and just stick with what my pick was at the beginning of the season. Now, the one thing that I will say in terms of the games yesterday. You know, we all love upsets. We all say that we love upsets. But, you know, the, the problem with upsets is is that unless the team that pulls off the upset is really all that good and is able to do it again, what generally it leads to is some disappointing games. And I think now that you can look back, now that the, the Super Bowl matchup is set, it's pretty clear in the NFC this year. Now, I don't know how it would have turned out if they would have gotten to play, even though the time they did play it was an unbelievable game. But the real competition for the 49ers this year, was the Saints. And unfortunately, with them getting knocked out the way they did by the Vikings, that kind of blew up the NFC playoffs this year because the Niners were not really challenged at all by the Vikings. I mean, early on in that game, you could see that the the Niners were just in a different class than the Vikings that day. And certainly yesterday, I mean, the game was over at halftime. So the Niners are clearly the class of the NFC. And think about what the Niners did this year. They lost three games. They lost one in overtime. They lost one at the end of regulation. And then they lost one when they were leading by five points with six seconds to go. So really, all three of those games came down to to the final play. And it, had they gone the other way, now you'd have to get all three of them to go the other way, we could be talking about a Niner team that is coming into the Super Bowl perfect. So it's not exactly um, – I, I think that the Chiefs will win the poll question, but I think this is going to be a competitive Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a, a good game, a close game, and, you know, as I said, if styles make fights, this is what you're looking for. This is what you're looking for. Now, I mentioned before about um, the one athlete who needs a burner account. I don't know if you noticed this during the game – and I noticed it because uh, after the game, because the game was so non-competitive that I was looking around for stuff, right? Like I, I'm not going to sit here for the hour, even if it's just an hour, and break down Niners Packers because it was broken down pretty well. <laughs> and the breakdown was the Niners are a whole lot better. But I guess it was after the game that I noticed. I don't know. Maybe he did this during the game. But Darrell Revis – took to Twitter. I didn't even know did I didn't know that Darrell Revis had a Twitter account, but apparently he does. And he took to Twitter to criticize his old um, nemesis in Richard Sherman. And Revis tweeted out basically that Sherman is not a true corner or a true shutdown corner because he does not travel with the best receiver, right? Like he usually is I think he's usually on the left side. He did do some of it, though, during the game. I remember that. But Revis tweeted out, quote, fear of getting beat in man-to-man coverage. Every snap, every play. The fact he doesn't travel as a cornerback is lame. Accept the challenge as the best and shut down Adams and shut Adams down the entire game. Do it for the game of football. Stop hiding in cover three zone. Revis went on and said, you all think I'm throwing shade. I'm not. Just stating the man is not pound-for-pound, man-to-man corner. If you know the game of football, 
He plays in a cover three scheme. He does not travel, but traveling with the receiver is not for every DB. It's a few on the corner list who can. So, all right. So that is something that's come up before. Revis and Sherman, apparently, uh, you know, Revis is a little uh, little testy about Richard Sherman. That's gone back and forth, even when Revis was playing. And I would say, it would be fair, right? Like, if you had to pick at their top, top, top level of play, who was better, you'd say Revis. But, and I'm not saying that Revis doesn't have a point here. Clearly, he knows more about it than we do. But... As a fan, as someone who he's trying to convince, this is not a good look for Darrell Rivas. Now, it's not the worst look. I remember that playoff game he played with the Chiefs a couple of years ago against Tennessee when Derrick Henry was running right at him and he took a little jog <laughs> to the side. Nah, I'm good. That was a worse look. But this is not a good look for, for, for Darrell Rivas. And while we criticize athletes, why would they, why would they even bother with a Twitter account? If Darrell Rivas wants to get on Twitter, and make compelling arguments, I think he would be better off with a Twitter account. Because I don't think it makes him look good, and I think a lot of people will shut down whatever argument and whatever points he has to make based on the fact that he's on Twitter arguing while Richard Sherman is getting ready for the Super Bowl. There's really no way, even as great a player, even as a Hall of Fame player as Darrell Rivas clearly was or will be, that he can win that argument. So I would say if he is going to make arguments like that, he should he should pop on and get a little Twitter account. You know, DR six seven five three two four four one 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 one. Or see contact the guy who's running that Wyatt one with the Jets. See if he's a if he's willing to give that one up. That one's got a big following after everything that went down. Either way, I think he would be better off getting a Twitter account that's a burner account rather than actually getting on Twitter and arguing about Richard Sherman while he's sitting on the couch, as great a player as he was, and Richard Sherman is getting ready for the Super Bowl. I just don't think it's a good look. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, you know, I did have a lot of doubters and naysayers, and, uh, you know, now I get to actually tell them, hey, look, look where I'm at now. You know, I never gave up on my dream. I never gave up on, on the opportunities when it presented itself. And, you know, I always, I always worked hard no matter what. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that I've been on seven different teams. I actually still have, um, you know, the cut dates. And I look at that every every before every game. I look at the cut dates uh, when I got cut. Um, you know, been on, like I said, been on seven different teams. And the journey has been crazy. You know, not even not not everybody can can deal with that type of stress and and uh, pain and agony that I went through. Um, but I, like I said, I just I kept the faith in not only myself, but whoever gave me the opportunity. And this organization has done a great job with that. All right. So that is Raheem Moser, who uh, obviously had the huge day yesterday for the 49ers. Tevin Coleman goes down with that arm injury. Gets ruled out for the game, and then Mostert comes in there and basically is uh, running through huge holes and running away from everybody. And a guy who has uh, bounced around the league, an undrafted running back, who has uh, played for, he said, seven teams. I have Cleveland, Miami, Baltimore, Chicago, and then San Francisco. So maybe, obviously, he did not play in games for those other teams, but it just shows you. Uh, what we have this conversation from time to time, and we've had this conversation because of the Giants uh, selecting Saquon Barkley. 
with the second pick in the draft. You don't. It's not that running the ball isn't important. The 49ers clearly showed you that yesterday where Jimmy Garoppolo had – how many times did he throw the ball? Eight times? He went like an hour in actual time without having to throw the ball. But Raheem Mostert, who has been on all these teams and has bounced around the league and has now found a home with the 49ers and the way they run the ball – I think people will look at now the 49. Well, see, the Niners do it just the same way as the Titans. No, their offenses are completely different. The Titans yesterday, when they got down by two scores, it was over. The game was over. They can only play one way. The 49ers can play in multiple ways. Now, they played the way they did yesterday because it was effective. It's all about efficiency, right? And their offense was clearly efficient. If you don't have to throw the ball, well, by all means, keep running the ball. But the Titans can only play one way. And once Derrick Henry was not able to be effective, and he really wasn't after the early portion of that game, they shut him down, the Titans were dead. And once they got down by two scores, based on how their offense runs, they were dead. Once they had to rely on Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball and trying to catch up that way. Now, maybe they got away from the running game a little bit too much. Maybe they should have had maybe a little bit more balance, but it wasn't like the running game was all that effective for them. And with each possession that they were turning it back over and punting away to Kansas City, even with a 10 nothing lead, even with a 17-7 lead getting pretty close to halftime, it was clear the Chiefs were the better team and they were not going to be able to hold them down all day long. Now, the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years, which is kind of weird, right? Like, when you think about a team that has not been to a Super Bowl in 50 years, you would think that that's a team that's just been terrible the whole time, but they haven't been. That's what the weird thing about the Chiefs is. They've been a pretty good team. I know in the, in the I think it was the, the late 70s, early 80s, they were really, really bad. They didn't go to the playoffs for a while. But they've been a team that's been in the mix here a lot. And just have not been able to get over the hump. So they're in the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Niners' last title was 95, so that's been 25 years there. So it should be a, an interesting Super Bowl. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And our poll question is uh, related to that. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, about uh, who you got, Chiefs, Niners, at least uh, in the early. I, I'm surprised it's, the, it's so overpoweringly Chiefs. Right now it's 72% in favor of Kansas City. Uh, just 27% in favor of the Niners. So I, I'm a little surprised it's that much of a blowout. But uh, I guess people just love the offense so much. So you can vote on the poll question. It's up on Twitter, at Gordon Dammer. A couple things uh, baseball-related because, um, A, the Mets' managerial search. I, I guess it started, right? I thought that the reason why they took so long to announce the Beltron thing from Monday until Thursday was because they were already doing the work. But we're now at Monday again, and it doesn't really – are they taking the holiday? Are they taking the day off today? It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of momentum, right? It doesn't feel like there's an announcement coming here today at any point. But who knows? Maybe they'll get around to it. It's not like spring training's right around the corner or anything. But I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is what they should do. They need to get a, a, an experienced manager. They need to get a guy who's, who's been around the block, Buck Showalter, Dusty Baker, Mike Sosha even. I've even heard his name mentioned or uh, Bruce Bochy. Well, there's a difference sometimes in sports and life of what you want to see happen and what you think will happen. So if you want to see the Mets go get Buck Showalter, well, by all means, go. I, I, no problem with that. There, there should be nobody out here who thinks that Buck Showalter wouldn't be a fine choice for the Mets to go get. 
Does anybody think that Buck Showalter wouldn't be able to manage the Mets and, unlike maybe other people, get more out of the team than the average guy? Of course, Buck Showalter's been around the block, knows the ins and outs, would be a fi- would be a fine hire for any of the three teams. I would think that maybe the Astros might be the best of the bunch for him because now it's not like they're necessarily tied to the system they were running before in terms of analytics and everything else. So maybe Buck would be able to do what he wants to do, and maybe that would be more appealing to him. So if he had his choice of all three jobs, and I believe he's already interviewed for the Astros job, if not, I would think that he has to, that would be maybe the job he'd go with. But if the Mets got off their duff and said, you know what, if the owners said, you know what, I don't care what you say, Brody. I don't care what Omar Minaya says. Go get Buck Showalter. Well, then by all means, I would be in favor of that move. And of all the names available, that probably is the best name. But as I said, there's a difference between what you want to see happen and what actually is going to happen. Because does anybody actually believe that Buck Showalter is going to get the job? Jerry Seinfeld has a better job, a better chance of getting the job than Buck Showalter. There's no way if Brody Van Wagenen has any say whatsoever. And it's not even really a question of the Mets being interested in Buck Showalter as it would be Buck Showalter being interested in the Mets. Maybe Buck doesn't ever get a chance to manage again. I don't know. And maybe he would be somebody, it feels kind of like Dusty Baker is willing to take any job whatsoever just to get the chance to manage again, 70 years old. Maybe he's not going to get that crack again. Dusty Baker would be a fine pick too. But that doesn't mean that I think that they're going to get the job or that I'll be surprised when they don't get the job. It's almost certainly going to be somebody who's already with the team. It would be shocking to me that if one of the established names that are out there, and there are plenty of them out there, if they ever get any actual real consideration. Well, they didn't get any consideration the last time. So why would they get consideration now? one 800 espn is the phone number. Also, the Astros. The Astros had their little fan fest over the weekend, huh? What do you think the hot topic was there? Now, they didn't have any questions for A.J. Hinch or Jeff Luno, mainly because they weren't there. <laughs> they were not They were not around. They were free over the weekend. They did not have anything to do. But Jose Altuve was there and Alex Bregman were there. And those are the two guys you want to hear from, right? This huge, major scandal. And it's not like the scandal broke during the Fan Fest or the day before. We knew the story was out there. So it was going to be interesting to see how they handled the questions when they got there. Well, here is Alex Bregman being asked about the sign-stealing scandal surrounding his team that he personally was involved in. Here he is. How do you feel about that there are those who want to say this? This change of damages, what you guys did in 2017. Like I said, the commissioner made his report, um, made his decision. The Astros made their decision, and um, no further comment. No further comment. And basically, that's what he repeated over and over again. I'm not here to talk about the past. I'm looking forward to a new season, figuring out new ways to cheat. Here's Jose Altuve, the adorable, beloved Jose Altuve. One of the most favorite players around Major League Baseball. Who couldn't love, well, I think that might change now, Jose Altuve. Were you, uh, let's start with, uh, 
Which one was first, Brian? I'll go with, uh, were you upset about the accusations of using a buzzer? I wasn't upset, to be honest. Even thought it wasn't true. You know, we all know that, that you know, some people made that up. And like I said, I'm a, the best uh-huh. thing that happened to me was the MLB investigate that. And, you know, they didn't find something. But at the same time, you know, you can't control everything. You know, you so you control what you can, can control. Right, like knowing what pitches are coming and then having a buzzer on your shoulder. Uh, here's Ote- oh, Jose Altuve saying, well, look, it's going to be all, it's, it's all going to be fine. Believe me, in the end of the year, everything will be fine. We're going to be in the World Series again. Uh, people don't believe it. We will. You know, we will like we made it last year. We won one game away uh, of winning it all. You know, I'm happy for the Nationals. They, they won everything. They're a really good team. They deserve it, but we'll be in the World Series again. Maybe with them, maybe with another team. All right, and he was also asked about the uh, using a device, the buzzers, to uh, tip pitches. Quote, that's ridiculous. MLB did their investigation. They didn't find anything. We all know that some people made that up. You don't want anyone to call you a cheater. But like I've said, I have two options. One, you just go cry, or you go out and play the game and perform and help my team, and you know which one I am going to do. Well, here's the thing with Jose Altuve, and maybe it's unfair for me to, you know, he's being asked the questions. He's not volunteering statements on it. But it's it's almost impossible to believe him. And, you know, it's funny because, I, you know, as a Yankee fan, a lot of people have been saying, well, what about the Yankees, Gordon? The Yankee fans can't say anything. They had cheaters on their team. Well, it's a little bit different in two ways. A, it really is not necessarily about Yankee fans. Obviously, Yankee fans are going to be upset about it. It's that Yankee players who competed on the teams the last two years that lost to the Astros and lost in the year where the Red Sox won the World Series. It's the Yankee players themselves, most notably CC Sabathia, who says he's ticked off. But Chapman is tweeting out things. Other people are tweeting out things. So that's the real aspect of this. And then the second thing is, it, when people bring up the steroids, yes, Yankee, play, they were Yankee players who used steroids in years where they won. But there's a reason why they call it the steroid era. Imagine, if you will, if only the Yankees had been able to figure out a way to use steroids. Do you think that the focus would be on that? I think it probably would be. And I think it would be fair. The Astros are the only ones so far. Now, if there's evidence that somebody has evidence that the Yankees cheated or other teams cheated, nobody has shown any evidence that the that any team has used a system like the Astros. What the Astros did was screw with the integrity of the ball games they were involved in. There's no other, it's been proven, 100%. They altered by their actions what very well might have happened that season. There's no debate about that anymore. So you can go and say, well, steroids, other people were using steroids. And believe you me, not all the people that use steroids have been caught. So if you want to go back to that, that's fine. That's not alleviating what the Astros did which is far more damaging than what any team or any player who used steroids. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. I'm making a prediction now. I don't know if uh, we'll see it come to pass. I'm saying, like, one of the things you notice during the playoff games is just how many commercials Baker Mayfield has. 
It's 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 like every commercial break. There's a commercial with 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 Baker Mayfield. I am betting you right now. If you had to pick one per, well, it's probably Mahomes, right? But like, if you had to pick like an outside the box guy that's playing in two weeks, that's going to have all those commercials, like that's going to be the guy for next year. I think it's going to be George Kittle. I see George Kittle in a lot of commercials next year. Now, Mahomes, obviously, it's always going to be quarterbacks. But if you had to go a little bit outside the box, I would say that's uh, who it would be. Hey, it's Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM. ESPN New York. In case you're just joining us on this uh, Monday morning, the Super Bowl is set. Super Bowl 54 is set. And our poll question for today up on Twitter, at Gordon Damer, is who you got. It looks at least the line opened up as a pick 'em. It's since changed, but if you had to pick either the Chiefs or the Niners, which team do you got? I would say Chiefs, just because that's the way I went in the beginning of the season. But uh, you can certainly vote on that. It's up on Twitter at Gordon Damer, and at least so far, I'm in good company. Just about uh, seven out of ten people picking the Chiefs there. But uh, I think the main takeaway for me from the games on Sunday was. Thank goodness there were no upsets. Now, it's disappointing that the games really weren't all that competitive. You would have liked to have seen a little bit more excitement, especially in the second half of games. You didn't get a whole lot of that in the AFC title game between the Chiefs and the Titans. You got basically none of it in the uh, the second game of the day. I mean, that was a complete snooze fest. That was not competitive at all. So you'd almost have to say the Super Bowl has to be more competitive than that, right? Can't be any less competitive. But at the end of the day, the best teams won. And thank goodness they did. So now we move on to Super Bowl 54 and the Chiefs and Niners. We've got two weeks to uh, wait for that to kind of break down. But uh, the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. Niners looking for their first title in uh, 25. But uh, we'll have uh, a lot of time to, uh, to, to wait to see just how things break down for Super Bowl 54. But uh, let's get some phone calls in this morning. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Our buddy Lewis is in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Gordon? I'm good, man. Hey, listen. You know what? Even though the Titans lost, yeah, I'm pretty sure their GM is kind of not kind of. I'm pretty sure he's excited the fact that he he might not have to pay Ryan Tannehill like thirty million dollars a year. You know, because imagine if they would have won to the Super Bowl, someone would have tried to pay overpay for the guy, and the Titans might have had tried to match it, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like a perfect thing for like a – I don't know what their cap situation is. I would not think that they have – I mean, they have to pay uh, Derrick Henry or at least they'll, the, somebody's going to have to pay Derrick Henry. I, I would think that Tannehill, at least I've heard it mentioned, that he would be the perfect guy for like a, a franchise tag, like a one-year yeah. contract because they don't really have any other good options there. Although there are quarterbacks that are going to be available, so maybe they decide to go in another direction. I mean, the problem is for the Titans is like – you knew that once they got down the way they did, that they they were never going to be able to rely on Ryan Tannehill. Like you, can, if you're relying on Ryan Tannehill to make a play or two, okay, fine. But if you're looking for him to lead you back, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Well. Well. Now that we got that out of the way, and you know, just just so all Yankee fans are hearing this, and hopefully for whatever the reason, there's a player out there hearing this. People forget that, and then know you you're going to say it doesn't matter. Listen. Beltran was on the Yankees team. You can't tell me that the guy wasn't helping them out, you know, some sort of way where, like, either trying to figure out how to steal signs. Come on, do they beat my Red Sox to the ground when the year before they couldn't even handle them? Well, look, look, Lewis, 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 look. I'm not telling you that Carlos Beltran, what he did with the Astros was clearly wrong. What Alex Cora did with the Red Sox was despicable. 
But see, when you have someone like Carlos Beltran, who has a, a knack for this sort of thing, clearly he has just a natural ability based on his baseball career and his smarts and his intelligence and his savvy, all these things, to be able to kind of break down signals to see if guys are tipping. But when he got with an organization like the Astros, who didn't care about anything other than winning, that allowed that knack, that ability to go into a direction and cross a line that he shouldn't have crossed. With an organization like the Yankees, who do not operate that way, clearly, they, ha- they have people. That. No, we do know that. There's literally no evidence that the Yankees installed a camera in center field, relayed that to the dugout, and used that camera on the dugout to break the rules that way. There are other organizations who are bottomless, will do anything that takes. The Yankees are not that way. They have, they have more of a moral high ground to go on. Now, I'm not telling you that the Yankees wouldn't try to, to break down, but that's not the question. Everybody in baseball trying to break down the signals, trying to break down the signs, steal signs, that's been going on, and that's fine. You could do that. But there's no, literally no evidence that the Yankees tried to do it in an illegal way. Now, if evidence pops up and Major League Baseball has been looking at it, then maybe I'll change my opinion. But baseball's been looking at it, and they haven't found anything about the Yankees so far. So I would say, yes, Carlos Beltran crossed the line with the Astros, but he was not allowed to, based on the Yankees organization, to cross that line with them. All right, it's going to do it for us for today. Oh, no, we still have time? All right, let's uh, let's go to Eddie and Canarsie. Eddie, go, my man, quickly, though. Hey, good morning, um, Gordon. I want to say to you, like, the Yankees got Derek Cole on the team, right? And he was involved with the team, right? Who, Garrett Cole? Yeah, the pitcher. The pitcher for the Yankees just gave like three hundred. How was he involved in cheating? Do we have any well, evidence? Saying, like, like, well, we, we, we just. When I make, can I say something to you? Yeah, go ahead. If I'm on the team, and it's the whole team that's cheating. It's not just like a few players cheat. I'm sure the pitchers know they were cheating too. So now you've had to cheat on your team. So all the stuff that you really want to know, why don't you just go straight up to him and ask him? Because now he's a member of your team. Well, look, I mean, the, the cheating that the Astros did was in 2017, and Cole was not on the team in 2017. Now, they were probably still cheating regardless, but I don't know if I really put that – like, you, you can't put that at the feet of the pitcher. <laughs> it's amazing how people are, are twisting and turning, trying to get Garrett Cole and the Yankees involved in a scandal that they're not involved in. They're the victims. They're the victims. You should feel sympathy for them because they were the ones screwed out of another World Series, at least a World Series appearance, if not another World Series title. All right, now it's going to be it for today. Uh, we're done for the day. Golik and Wingo are coming up next. We'll see you tomorrow. Tuesday at 5 a.m. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.